talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. morning, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Nick and welcome once again to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff, our penultimate episode for the year. And uh, we're coming to you on a Monday um, just after the weekend and unfortunately having been worried that the Wallabies would go down eight straight to England, unfortunately over the weekend they did just that, losing 32 to 15 at Twickenham. Um, here to dissect that match, but also to examine where the Wallabies can go from from uh, from here. I'm joined by Natho once again. Natho, how are you, mate? Matt, I'm doing good. It's a disappointing result, but you know what? Get get back onto it. Get ready for Wales this week. Yeah, that's what we got to do. You got to pick up. You got to pick yourself up. I mean, look, there was no. I guess. You know, there was a sense that we were that we were worried that this was going to happen. England are playing, you know, you know, they're really a solid team under Jones, and it was, you know, we were considering the record that we've had under Czech and the going into this game and all the issues that were happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, it would have been incredible if we'd pulled off a pulled off a win. Dylan, uh, how are you doing, mate? Are we, are we still feeling that bitter that bitter feel that we've been <laughs> that we've been used to over the last couple of years uh, against when playing against the old enemy? I know uh, this will shock a lot of fans, Nick, but I'm actually not as negative on this game as most people probably thought. Um, <laughs> as I said in the uh, uh, green and gold chat, that uh, I'm really impressed that Hooper seems to have listened to the podcast and took our advice yeah. and actually kicked for points. Yeah, so, kicking for points you know, all day. <laughs> points, points win games. This is you know, it's like like in Harry Potter, you can still catch the golden snitch and lose a game of um, game, game of Quidditch. So it doesn't yeah. matter how many tries you score if someone out, um, scores more points. Exactly. Yeah. Look, I'm 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 with you. Like I'm I'm not feeling as negative about this game, despite the you know the similar points loss that we've you know that it's similar to previous games that we've had over over you know the years gone by. Um, but I'm not feeling as as upset about this as at all. It was. You know, it was an interesting match, but let's get into it. Um, we've got our, our questions for the for the week, our hot topics. First of all, we're going to provide our thoughts on that Wallabies-England match. What happened? What went wrong? What was the state of affairs? Question two, uh, as we head into the last match, and we're probably going to touch on this a little bit uh, next week following the Welsh game, but um, what is the one key issue that we think that Rennie has to address regarding this team? We've been, you know, we've nearly had a full year with Rennie. We've got a sense of the direction that he's put, uh, going with the team. Um, what is what does he need to work on going into next year? Question three, heading into that Wales game, what are we most keen to see going into uh, into that match at Millennium Stadium? Question four, we're also going to touch on uh, the other rugby-related news and, and games that uh, caught our attention this week. Um, there is a certain match that occurred uh, in Ireland that we need to definitely discuss in that regard. And then question five, we'll preview the uh, the final match for the Wallabies, as well as other select games uh, going into the final week of rugby, uh, heading uh, for this week for this upcoming weekend. But first, uh, as mentioned, um, eight down against uh, against England, 32-15, um, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a tough watch. Um, I, I'm waiting. I know that you may, you guys may agree or disagree with me on that one, but for certainly from where I was standing, it was. Uh, Considering looking at the stats, for example, it was 
it was a tough game for the Wallabies. Uh, it was a game that England really grabbed by the scruff of the neck. They really directed a lot of stuff. But Nathan, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on this game? Was it just a case of of the boys just coming up against a an object too tough that is too tough to move in this England side, or did they shoot themselves in the foot a little bit here too? I think a, a bit from both. I think we've we've got to recognise a couple of things we've got to recognise. I mean, firstly, this this wasn't a full strength Australian side, and I know it wasn't a full strength England side either. But when you consider from that team that beat did so well against um, South Africa and Argentina, you don't have um, Cooper, you don't have Karevi, you don't have Altoa, Tupo, Hodge, Banks, Bataya. Hooper goes off after 55 minutes. Like it's there. There is a lot of positions in that team which were under strength. That being said, I mean, you give up 18 penalties. We we didn't help ourselves throughout that game. Like I mean, def- defensively, I thought we were great. I don't know. I don't want to sound so negative, so I will say that. But like. I mean, and just a, a stat that should be highlighted, which I don't think has been highlighted enough. We made 102 tackles to their 69. They We missed 18 tackles. They missed 20. So even even having to go through a mountain more work than they did, off, I think, yeah, 60% possession, we, we still missed less tackles than them. I thought Nick White was great in defense, by the way, especially that, that one tackle on George. But just, just dumb penalties. Dumb penalties and dumb mistakes just cost us. And I, I think that was the, the vibe out of Dave Rennie and Hooper after the game, it was just a case of we, we couldn't build pressure. We got caught down the um, caught down the wrong end. We only entered their 22 three times. That's ridiculous. And we just couldn't – we just didn't look like scoring. Whenever we got ourselves in good position, we just shot ourselves in the foot. And that's, that's, that's the reality. Like, it was, it was a gutsy performance, and it was great, as, as we've kind of alluded to, it was great to – see Hooper and uh, not only we praise Hooper for taking the points, but it was really O'Connor that stepped up and nailed five from five. Like that should be commended as well. But we just didn't look like scoring, scoring a try. And when you don't, you don't look like crossing the line, you're not going to win games, but you know, it's under strength side against a very good England side. We found a pack tweaking them. Like we had to be at our best. They, they played really well. So they're going to be commended, but you know, it's just, it's tough when it's. When I, I think a lot of it was down to user error, just dumb, dumb mistakes. But you know, it's a it's a learning experience, and that's I think you can take plenty plenty out of that game. I think you certainly can too. Yeah, I mean, I think there was an element of you know feeling similar to 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 so many of those losses that we had under Checker, but at the same time, I mean, you were talking about the stats before we started talking about how, for example, the Wallabies only had forty percent possession. We only entered their twenty two you know, uh, three times they entered our 22, 30 times. The, I think we only spent like a couple, like 20, 30 seconds of the entire game um, in their half of the field, and they spent a lot more in our half of the field. And yet, going into the last 10 minutes, we were only behind by four points, which is really interesting to me because all of those stats um, really, all of the stats suggested that this, that England really uh, controlled this game for a lot, for a lot of the time. Um and, you know, I think Rennie nails it on the head when he said post-match, just too many, made too many errors and too many dumb penalties. And I, th- I think, again, making on that point, 18 penalties and two yellow cards, that's that's not good enough. Um, 
Um, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this match? I mean, you and I have seen a few of these games, you know, a few of these losses before. Do tell us why you're feeling a bit more optimistic about this match compared to to previous losses that we had under Czech. Because under Czech, we wouldn't have actually kicked those points. Under Czech, we would have kicked for the corner. We would have gone for a line-out. We would have won a line-out, but they would have given away a penalty. So we'd kick to the corner again, go for that, and we would have tried to back them all. And on the third attempt, uh, we would try something fancy. We'd fuck it up, and then they'd exit. Um, Because we'd give away the ball or a penalty, and they'd exit. And then all that time, we'd spend 10 minutes in in our 22 and not score. So for us to take the points, it got us on the board. It's what kept us in. We were four points down at half time. Um, it kept us really in the game up until the last 10 minutes, which I know a lot of people probably wouldn't really reflect because when you look at those stats, but we were, we, you know, even though we didn't play particularly well, we didn't look really good. We were still in that game. And I think it really needed, we needed to go and up another tempo. And I think that, that was sort of the cracks coming out is that we didn't have that next tempo. Um, and we don't have the finishers off the bench that we really should, or we don't use the finishers as well as we should. Um, guys like Tate McDermott need to be given, you know, he the last two weeks he hasn't been given the opportunity to break a game open like we've seen him do during the rugby championships. Um, guys like Will Skelton and Tolu Latu did fuck all um, in that um, off the bench. Um, and then, you, you know, you see that really silly pass from Ikitao straight into Sam Simmons' breadbasket, and then they turn and run it, run it back um, and score that, that try. And I think that, I think that try is indicative of the game, but we were still very much in it up until 10 minutes to go. I think, you know, 10 minutes ago we, we got to, oh, I think at the 72nd minute mark is when Smith kicked that last penalty and that put them 10 points up. And I sort of went, oh, it's not, not impossible, but we need to throw the kitchen sink at this. And unfortunately, we didn't and we lost. But I do believe it was better to watch than watching it under Czech because under Czech, we, Czech always played into Eddie's game. He got into the mind games. We got into the wrong niggles. And, you know, for, again, as you said, we gave away 18 penalties and two yellow cards. And we, you know, yes, we lost by, what was it, 22 points? 18 points. 18, yeah. 18 points. Um, no, sorry, seven, no, 17. 17, 17, 17 sorry. General, general math right there. We're not, we're not a math podcast here. We're... Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, just, that's why I'm only focusing on penalties. Three, point, three points. Learn your three times tables, boys. Um, and that's, But that's the thing. Like, so losing by 17 doesn't really reflect where, from a game plan, we were at. Um, and I do agree, Nathan, you know, we never looked like we were going to score but we were still in the game. Whereas in previous times, we'd look like we're going to score and we'd walk away and we'd go, oh, how good's our rolling mall? And, you know, I, being the negative Nelly that I am, I'd sit there and go, yeah, it looks fucking great. Where are the tries? You know, it, we're, not, we're not the Brumbies. Every time we go to the five-meter um, rolling mall, we don't score. So it doesn't matter how good it looked. If we don't score, it's pointless. Um, so, and I think that, you know, kicking points is what's kept a lot of these teams in the game. Losing composure is what costs us the game, and I think that's what cost both Wales and Scotland their um, their uh, their matches against South Africa. Is you actually see about fifteen minutes to go, their confidence and their composure goes out the window, and South Africa just goes, "Yeah, we'll win this." And I think the same happened to us. We had a moment, and I can't tell you the exact moment, but something flipped, 
and the composure went out the window and you sort of went, yep, we're going to lose this now. Yeah, I don't know exactly when that... I, I, I'd agree with that. I don't exactly know when that moment was. Or maybe it was just the fact that, you know, they'd been... Uh, asked to the grindstone for for so for so long. Maybe it was just an, it was just the fact that the England attack just wore the, the Wallabies defence down um, after spending so much time in in down up up our end of the field. Or maybe it was it was Hooper going off due to injury. Either way, you know it was it was it was frustrating um, getting that sense that you know especially in that last five, uh, ten minutes where you knew that that we're not going to come out on the right side of this. It was interesting to, to mention that, and I don't know if it's mind games or not going into next year, but Jones mentioned that, that he thought that the, the Wallabies were going in the right direction um, post-game, which I don't know if he's ever actually done that under Checker. He would normally just say normal rope-a-dope rugby. And maybe it's just him playing his mind games, but it was interesting seeing that there was still a sense of, of ticker that was coming through despite uh, despite the results. Do we think then, and I feel like this might lead us into question two, um, because it sounds to me like, you know, one of the key things that we've talked about is just, you know, a mismatch of where players are, the fact that we're missing a lot of key players, um, the fact that, you know, as mentioned, no Karevi, no Korobidi, no Cooper, no, um, you know, no Hodge, um, and none of the props, Alatoa, uh, Tupo. Um, Rennie, you know, we've got it. We're nearly at the end of, of a first full year for for Dave Rennie, and you know he has definitely shown his hand in terms of potential uh, for the Wallabies, and there is a lot of potential there. Um, but I'm going to throw to both of you guys, and I'll throw to you first, Dylan, um, in terms of a key issue Rennie has to has to address regarding this team. I, I kind of want to try and kick you off first and throw you a pass um, off the point of of lead, of kind of those leaders and those players. Is it a depth issue? Do you think at the moment that's facing the Wallabies? I think it's a depth issue, but I also think it's a pick. It's a. I've got to contradict myself here, but it's a. It's a pick and stick as well as or building combinations, but knowing when to put, knowing when a player is underdone. I haven't agreed with a lot of his squad selections. He's been very vocal on this podcast about, but like we I think I read that there are twenty more Test matches before the World Cup, and I don't think we've settled on a 15, let alone a 23. Um, I think he, and COVID, COVID's there, but he hasn't built a squad that I know probably he's going to pick the same squad this coming weekend. Maybe there'll be a few changes, but I don't, I think he's giving certain guys a long leash and, and other guys, he's not giving them a chance to really grow. Like, you know, Parisi. I think I think Parisi's done a really good job. Why hasn't he been given a proper a red hot crack? I don't think that um, uh, Hunter Paisami has done enough to lock down that twelve jersey. So why are we giving him? Why has he played eighty minutes of the last three tests? Let's give someone else a crack. Um, why is it that we're you know we're leaving Nick White on for so long and not giving you know a game breaker like Tate McDermott a real crack at the game? Um, you know, I feel so bad for Darcy Swain and Matt Phillip, who have been left on the um, left off the match day 23 for a passenger like Will Skelton. He was a passenger five years ago, and he's a passenger now. Um, I think that yes, it's a lack of depth, but I think that it's it's a lack of focus. I don't actually know what Dave Rennie wants to play. I don't know the style of rugby that he wants to play. I don't know 
the kind of squad that he wants to pick because it doesn't make sense. I don't know if looking at this squad, do you know how much you know how many how much talent do we have in there? Like, think about it. How many hookers have we played this year? We've had uh, Falau Fyinger, um, BPA. I think BPA got a shot during the French series. We've had um, Walisi. We've had, and I'm going to butcher his name. Um, the young prop, uh, young hooker from the force. Is it Kit Kitar? How do you say it? Kaitu. 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 Sorry, apologies. Um, you know, we've given. Thomas uh, Thomas Suli. No, well? no, no. Uh, um, he's he's a prop. No, no, Lonigan. Yeah, yeah, we've given Lonigan, Ma- uh, McInerney, um Like it's just, you know, and the whole thing was, you, you know, he wanted Kaitui, but Kaitui was in, so he brought Walisi in. But then Kaitui's um, better than he, uh, so he drops while um, Walisi, but then gives Lonigan a go. It's just, mate, give you know, pick and stick with some players, you know, or, or start to build some combinations with other, with some players, and then work out where you, you know where we need to go from there. And so I just, yeah, I think, I think depth is an issue, but consistency is an issue as well. Here's the thing that the hooker thing I, I disagree with, because when you look at, yeah, yes, they're still looking for a replacement hooker, but when you look at the last six or seven games, Flowfing has been the starter. That has been, that has been one of the, the like few consistencies we've had. So I think he's very, very certain Flowfinger is that number one hooker. He just doesn't know who number two is. And when you've got Toto Lati there, you may as well test him out. As for the Parisi, I think Parisi, they're still kind of worried about in the sense of he's only just coming back from a shoulder injury. He hasn't really played a game since June. But I do agree with that consistency is you can show that worry about, about him, and that's more than fine. But we then – I don't think it's any, any fault of their own, but are then thrown us – to start a Connor for majority of games when he's played played less minutes than Parisi, so I think well, there is there is that balance thing they're going to try and find with that. Just on that, Nate, though, like you know, so when I kind of um, I understand they brought Quaid in, and I you know Quaid blew everyone's mind and, and everything, but he then put O'Connor on the bench for Quaid, so then ta- you know Quaid's playing well, takes Quaid off to put O'Connor on. Like to me, as I've, I've said a few times, you know the three amigos are not going to win us a World Cup. So we shouldn't be, you know, we're 20 t- tests out from a um, the World Cup. Why are we trying to hedge our bets on old blokes? I think, uh, the, yeah. I mean, the O'Connor thing, the two things as well, we've got, we got to remember as well, like, Will Harrison probably gets a run. If if this is not COVID, Will Harrison probably gets a run in, in that Wallaby side. Because simply, simply fact, Cooper, Cooper was available. That's why he got picked. If this, oh, is, yeah. not, if this is non-COVID, you pick someone like that. But but I do agree. It's a, the thing which concerns me is listening to Rennie during the build-up. He said this is the fastest I've seen and most agile I've seen O'Connor look. I just haven't I haven't seen that in the game yet. Mate, mm. he looks he looks fat. That's, I'm not I'm not going to fat shame him because this is a rugby podcast <laughs> and you know there's no fat shaming in rugby. But mate, he looks like he should be packing down a tight head at the moment. It's just <laughs> like I I was admiring. I, I was looking. I was looking at you know. I was thinking like. Fuck, Hooper is looking really lean at the moment. Like he's looking, he's in really good shape. And I'm like, this. How is this bloke just keep finding next levels? Like I, I don't always rate Hooper as a captain, but God, he keeps finding next levels. And then he's standing next to um, O'Connor, and I'm just like, you know, nice beer gut you got going on there, mate. Like, 
you're a back. Take take pride in your appearance. You know, we we we're all forwards. We've openly mocked every back, taking taking pride in their appearance. And <laughs> he's yeah. agile. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't look well. He doesn't look agile on the pitch. Maybe it's a uh, trains the house down. You know, that can't can't play sort of thing. Mm. Maybe playing devil's advocate here for a moment because I think the France series definitely showed us that there's a lot of potential. But maybe Rennie thinks. Um, and maybe I'm trying to analyse exactly what he's trying to do at the moment. You know, I definitely agree with you that the old guard is not going to help us out in the coming years. And maybe he's probably aware, you know, Rennie's probably aware of that um, following that France series because, you know, it was a, it was a much greener side that, that took to the field against the French and the likes of the All Blacks than the side that, you know, smashed South Africa and and beat Argentina and went and had that five-match winning streak. And maybe he's trying this year to, first of all, get a sense of what he can get away with in terms of bringing back some of the old guard and or maybe trying to give some of those young guys time in camp with some of with you know with some of those more experienced blokes. But even then, they're not getting time on the field. I'm not, I'm not sure it's it's get, getting away with it. I think it's you I think like he was still limited with who he could pick in 2020. So now that you've this opportunity's provided itself, where you can pick players from, I said you can get away with picking players across the world. I think it, it's it, it's a whilst it might not have sort of garnered the same impact we would have hoped from, from a Will Skelton or a I mean Rory Arnold's solid, but again, feel you you're getting similar impact out of the, the second rounds we've had in the past. I think this this particularly the spring tour has been a case of all right. Well, we've got this talent around the world. Where does it? Where does this realistically like weigh up in what I have back home? Like I hear all this great stuff, but mm. and I've played against it. What can I do with it? And I think mm. it's still very much a trial, a trial and error. But it's it, yeah, it's difficult though to to measure that. I mean, like you know, stepping up from club level at, at even from Super Rugby to international level, or from you know your your Premier grade in England. Um, to to you know to national level is still a huge step up, and I think it's it's difficult to to assume. Oh yeah, those those international players will those players who have been working their guts out overseas will slot back in right easily. I mean, like Dylan mentions, uh, I feel like you know what was Skelton doing on the weekend? Like Where Skelton, was he? Skelton was lining up against you know Maro Atoji, who he used to pack down with. How did he not want to line him up? Yeah, like yeah. And get on there and go. See, I, I told you I was the better one, or you know, it, it put a shot on Farrell. Like, it's yeah, it's it's interesting what you were saying before though, Nick, because I um I remember talking to a um an AFL player who um was playing VFL at the time. Like he was drafted to the AFL, but was playing VFL as part of his development, and he finally got to start to play a couple of games of AFL. And I said, oh, what's the, what's it like? And he goes. It's everything dialed up to 11. He goes, it's so much faster. It's so much, you know, the, the ball moves quicker. The players hit harder. There's everything. It's just this next level. And look, he was a really good VFL player. So he was flying, running rings around everybody. But then he got to the AFL and everyone ran rings around him. And I think that there is. Like, we often forget that next level. And I think one of the problems we've got when we talk about depth in Australia is we have a lot of good players at Super Rugby. They're really good. 
but they just can't get it right at that test level. And look, obviously that takes time. Like, you know, if, we, if we'd written Marika Korobetti off after his first season in, in Wallaby Gold, we probably wouldn't be talking about a guy, you know, a John Hills medalist. Um, so you do need to give some of these guys a go. But I, and I, but I think that you'd like to think that smarter men than us are able to sit there and go, this, there's, there's potential here. And even if we invest two years into this person, we're going we're gonna to see it. And I'm just not sure what's going on because I know that the, you know there was an initial reason that Harrison couldn't go, and that's why they brought Cooper in for the um, uh, going to New Zealand. But you're telling me they couldn't tee up a 14-day quarantine in Adelaide to get in, you know, in Adelaide because you can go to you can go to South Australia and quarantine and then go up to Queensland. You couldn't do that, or you couldn't quarantine in Queensland. I think I mean, that's where I just get a little bit like. What's what's going on? <laughs> I, I think it's it's one of those tough things we, we won't know. But I mean, you also got to remember as well, Harrison is a, is a Randwick boy. That area was pretty much a red a red flag. Well, how is he not a Wallaby already? Then if he's a Randwick boy, like aren't, aren't, aren't <laughs> all Randwick <laughs> boys Wallabies? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you walked into that one, mate. I walked into that yeah, one. Yeah, you did. You did. Phil, you couldn't. Phil like, Kearns is, a, is still campaigning for him. <laughs> Mate, so that's, the, that's the biggest. You couldn't have hospital passed yourself that any better, mate. Oh God, too good, too good. But I, I'm guessing that it's something to it. But again, we, I think we're we're still ultimately trying to figure out what we have, and we've we've taken that the sort of success of the five straight those five straight games, thinking, all right, we're here. And realistically, we're still we're still a good twelve to eighteen months before we we've figured out what we look like, what's our depth like and getting that towards its full potential. So, I mean, it's, I think we just kind of took, took four steps forward and thought we were, we were ready, but this whole spring tour has just been kind of bringing us back to that stage of, well, we're not, we're not there yet. We're still just emerging. It's exciting, but we just got to still take those little steps in development and make sure it sticks. I think, uh, yeah, I think the big point to add was that I, as great as it was to watch that, that five wins on a row and, and beating South Africa, because that was a strong South African outfit. Um, I think the fact that it did pave over some of the, it painted over some of the cracks and now we've been put under pressure and those cracks have really begun, begun to show. And now the big challenge is that Rennie has to work at how he wants to approach that. Mm, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, the the solution could be either that he, he tries to play the same game plan like Checker does and those cracks get worse. Or he goes, okay, well, I'm re- I'm now fully aware of what of what cattle I've got in front of me, of what limitations of, you know, pulling players from overseas and just putting them straight to the squad provides. I'm hopefully aware of the level of, you know, the level of, of potential talent at home. Um, whether they be, you know, experienced veterans or inexperienced, um, you know, and having a lot of green guys, how do I build this squad out? Um, what do I do next? Um, it's definitely given us a lot of food for thought. And, you know, I think it's, even though it's it, these, you know, I reckon this series, this kind of tour has rubbed a lot of sheen off, um, you know, it has, I actually still think, feel a lot more positive about this year. Um, but oh, it's tenfold. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. I, like, it definitely feels like, well, finally, they're starting to play the beginnings of smarter rugby and not just doing the same generic rope-a-dope bullshit that we've seen for the last five years. 
I mean, obviously, you know, we don't know what's going to happen down the road, um, but one hopes that there, there will be a lot of food for thought and stuff taken away here. And I, and Rennie comes across as a bloke who will genuinely want to adapt his game plan and fig- now now that he has kind of got some more data to actually examine, you know, the how he can turn this team into a side that's capable of winning the World Cup. But we've got to deal with what's in front of us because it shows that I think we'll probably uh, re- uh, readdress this this question probably in uh, in next week's podcast. Um, Nathan, if you make any more <laughs> Randwick references and, and and we finally manage to get Hoss on next week, he's going to chop you in half. Um, <laughs> so prepare me early. <laughs> he's going to chop you in half if we get him on. Um, but let's talk. Let's talk on to the game that's in front of us right now. There is one game left remaining for the year. Um, and that is uh, heading off to Millennium Stadium in Cardiff to play the Welsh. Who Principality Stadium, it's named. Principality. Oh, yeah, they've changed the name again. God, that. Um, Wales, they've come off a 38-23 win over Fiji um, the, weekend before, the week before going down uh, to the Springboks. Um, and it's, I, I kind of feel like both teams are coming into this in a very, very, very interesting positions. Wales, I think, are currently on a two or three match winning streak against us. Um, uh, and, you know, it's definitely there'll be some interesting situations happening, with at least with the Wallabies squad. There is a lot of question marks around Michael Hooper. Um, but there is also the chance that Alan Atoa and Tupo will also be back, um, which will uh, help out the scrum hugely. Um so, Nathan, I'm going to throw to you first for this one. What uh, what are you most keen to see the Wallabies try um, going into this game as they look to try to finish the season on a high? I, I just want to want to see him bounce that bounce back that, that had two games had two poor performances by their own standards and admissions. Let let's see how they how they stand stand back. This is it's a good Wales team, but it's not a unbeatable side. For me, the main thing I want to see, it's it's a common issue. It's becoming a little, little bit of a common issue, and it's something that plagued us, is just get rid of those those dumb the dumb penalties in particular that have to do with our lack of body height or our lack of adapting to new rules which say we've got to drop our height and get lower. Because that's really the crux of where we're, we're hurting ourselves. When you look at a lot of the yellow cards and red cards we've given up this year it's we're taking people too high and i just don't think we're we've adapted to that and you've got after two yellow cards i want to see a side that's recognized and gone you know what we've there's there's a problem here we've got to make a, a conscious effort to really get down low not the flower finger technique of just or the which is the plotter now technique the grass really, cutter the, the good old grass cutter that We'll, we'll end up also costing us yellow cards somewhere down the track if he, if that continues. But find that happy medium and just like the defense was good on the weekend. It's just let let's not let's not compromise ourselves even more and give away that giving away those easy high tackles that could just be solved by with just a simple little little squat or just just getting that that height slightly down. That's really what I want to say. Sounds like one percenters more than anything else. You mean just like Basically, tiny? Yeah, just... yeah. We, well, I don't think I don't think as a if any any coach will be ever happy with 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 the one percenters. Um, but it is it is interesting that that it's. I do agree that I think that there is a a real discipline issue that comes through in the latter half of the game. It kind of feels eerily similar to 
you know, the days, of, you know, kind of the Brad Thorne Reds, kind of the early days of the Brad Thorne, of like the Reds under Brad Thorne, they would be so enthusiastic and they'd undo themselves with with uh, with silly discipline issues that would see them concede penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty and, you know, eventually effectively penalise themselves out of the game. Um, I hope that they kind of get that sense of maturity or, or improve on it. Um you know, going into this game because it would be nice to have a win over the Welsh because um, we are due. And I miss the days of us winning 14 on the trot against them. I do. It was not a, no, no disrespect to any Welsh fans, but God, it was it was a nice feeling to just, you know, have a sense of, of, of you know, well, that against against the Welsh that you knew you had a fantastic competition against you, but there was that element of the, there's, there's an expectation or a Again, a goal, a goal of you know trying to maintain that solid record against a team that good. Dylan, what are you most keen for going into this game? We've got a lot of players back, hopefully, um, pending, uh, you know, pending a couple of changes. Hopefully, we'll add some some more kind of much needed stability to that squad. But you know, Hooper might be out as well. Uh, what do you think is going to be the key issue that you know will be facing us going into this game? What do you think uh, we can do to counteract it? Um. I'm actually going to be really interested to see the squad that gets picked um, because I think that this is one of those – he could do this as a bit of uh, – Rennie could do this as a bit of a Hail Mary and go, all right, now I am going to throw the kitchen sink at it and I am going to give uh, McDermott and Lalesio the keys to the kingdom um, and make some of those – make some changes to really go, boys, this is the last game, show me what you're made of. Um, we've obviously got some guys coming back from uh, from the injuries, you know, Tupo and Alatoa, which will make a difference because um, I do think Tupo was sorely missed. Um, I would, I'm gonna, I would actually be very interested to see what happens if Hooper doesn't play. And I know the only actual seven we've got in the got there is now um, Colby Fainga, their former Rebels player. Um, but I think. It will be really interesting to sort of see because Hooper is one of those leaders that's like, come on, follow me, and just goes, is always on at 100% the whole game. He never slows down. And it'll be really interesting to sort of see how some of those leaders in the squad can step up and go, all right, well, how am, are they going to lead through inspiration? Are they going to lead through action? Are they going to lead through words? Um, how are we going to, to move forward? Because... I think that's something that you know we ha we haven't seen a lot of the uh, the older heads. Not that we've got a lot of older heads, but really step up and show that leadership. So that will be an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean they've had a year, aren't they? they've had a year with Hooper as well. Surely something, you know, I, I, at least for potentially some of the young guns, something will have rubbed off on him. Like you've been playing with this world class player all year. Um, for me, there has to be some leadership. There has to be at, at some point. Uh, and I hate it, and I and I know that every Wallaby fan will dread to hear it, but there will be there will come a time where we will not have Michael Huber anymore, um, and it's time for some of these young guys to also put their their hand up for that leadership role to fill in that role because we need it. And you know, it's I'm really curious as well. I'm really curious as to how the Wallabies will respond with Hooper not there. Um, I think that last ten minutes against England that he definitely was missed a lot, even though you know even though there, you know, there was the a period of time where the Wallabies still hung in there and still, you know, tackled their guts out. But um, 
yeah, it's there's going to have to be a real leadership step up from the remainder of the squad, and I think it's been such a a, a, a like a, a, a kind of a, a cheap fallback or a cheap shot for for you know critics of this team to be like it's literally Hooper and nobody else. Um, if Hooper doesn't play, then the other boys have got to stand up. Um, you know, it's people have joked that oh yeah, Michael Hooper doesn't. He, you know, he literally carries the whole team. Well, now it's the chance for them to say, well, no, no, they, no, he doesn't. There is there's, yeah, other, exactly. there's other leaders. There's other leaders in there as well who can show who can really show their stuff. I think they should throw caution to the wind going into this game. I mean, you know, you've got the likes of Noah Alessio in the squad, as you mentioned, Tate McDermott in the squad, um, Parisi in the squad, and I mean. You know, those guys, as green as they are and as young as they are, they still won a series against a really strong French team. And I see them, and I definitely see them um, having it within their, within, you know, their capabilities to to beat this Welsh team, even though this Welsh team is really strong. And playing it, you know, in Cardiff is a, is a tough place to play. Um, well, I always, like, I always oh, look at it with some of these young guys that in a match like this where it's, you know, if we lose, well, we finish the season 50%. And if we win, we finish the season on a high. You take you take the, the risk. But if, let's say, you play Tate and Noah and they're no good, you can pull them off at half time. But if we're in a, na- a nail-biter and we've got Jock and um, Nick White, we're probably not going to pull them off. We're going to leave them on. So yeah. which means Tate and Noah don't really get a shot or they get put on and they don't really get time, a bit like the weekend, to really break into their groove. Like I remember watching Noah run, a, you know, run that line and get that really shit hospital pass, and then I'm thinking, oh, that's just shattered his confidence, hasn't it? His first touch in months, and you know, I think I just felt so bad for the kid. So I, I think give him a proper crack. If they're not up to it, you can always take them off and put, and because you know you have Nick White on the bench, you have look. I, I still think put Jock to twelve, but if you had Jock on the bench. He can cover nearly every position in the back line, so you, you, you're pretty safe. He's not a you know one spot person. So, um, I, I, yeah, I think just let's let's try that. Um, let's give one of the uh, you know other um, other locks another crack. Um, I think you keep Valentini and uh, Leota. Um, I know I saw your uh, your article, Nathan, where you were talking about how good Valentini was, and maybe you put him to six and Wilson to eight. I think you keep Valentini at, um, at eight and keep Leota at six. Leota quite regularly was the only one putting a chase on. I think Leota has been a bit of an unsung hero of this this tour with how hard he works, the hit, the the big shifts that he puts in. I think him and Valentini will be a very good Bash Brother combination together. I agree with that. I think he's. The, Mel- the the Melbourne-born combo, I think it's just the, the only re- the reason I brought that up is because I think Harry Wilson has the potential to be a world-class number eight. Rob Valentini's already there. Like it's that, it's no slight to Leota. He's he's a great player. I think it just reflects the potential of what we have in our on our doorstep. But I, I would like to see maybe when we look at looking at that team squad, just maybe give those guys a bit of a chance. Just see see what happens. But it's gonna I reckon it's gonna be an entertaining game. I reckon against the, against the Welsh, I reckon it's going to be a really good contest. Just, I just no stupid penalties. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question then, because I'm assuming that all th- that we're in agreement that that a lot of the guys that have been brought in, so like your Will Skeltons, your Kirtley Beals, um, they haven't really brought a huge amount. Who who would be a young gun that you'd want? P- pick one. We can pick one young gun who we want to see potentially jump into the squad. 
um, if you if we are, if we are all wanting to say, hey, let's 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 throw the let's check take the young guys in and see how they go, who would be the young guns? Who would be the one young gun you want more than anyone else uh, in there? Nathan, who would be one for you? Uh, yeah, he still counts as young. Zai Parisi. Like, I mean, Kelly. Look, Kelly's <laughs> Kelly's great. He's great, but he's just he just wasn't there on the weekend. He didn't. He was sure he was secure under the high ball, but I just didn't think he, the attack really flowed from him, and he just didn't really connect. I think we got to use this last game to give Callaway one more chance at fullback, out of simply out of necessity because I don't think that there's no other option with Jordy Bataille officially back in back in Australia to do his rehab. So he's your only other fullback option. So put, put Callaway back there, put Parisi on the wing, and just just let's just give him 60, 70 minutes. See, see how he does starting. See what we can... What plays you can run with such a barnstorming winger coming off that edge that we've seen to have success against New Zealand with that, those Paisami-type lines. I think this is the time to give Parisi a go. Just tell him, this is your starting, your starting debut, mate. Just go nuts. Yeah, I think so. I reckon I reckon Parisi has definitely shown enough to, to at least warrant having a crack uh, at a potential starting role. Um Dylan, I'm assuming that you're going to go for someone either at nine or ten um, for your for your pick. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not actually. Um, I'm oh. going to say uh, tell Will Skelton to pack his bags and get back to France. Um, I'm saying bring Matt Phillip in. Yeah, um, Matt yeah, Phillip has been a Swain. strong performer for the um, for the Wallabies this whole year, and when he got dropped for Swain and came off the bench, he came on with such intensity. And you listen to that man talk, he goes, I want that gold jersey. He's hungry for it. And every time he loses it, he fights hard to get it back. And I just, I feel so much for him because I go, you've just had this passenger that the media has built up. Take your spot. This bloke is going to be so hungry. Give it to him. Give him six, um, give him 20. If you don't want to give him to start, if you want it to be Rodder and uh, Arnold to be your starting pair, I don't mind that. But... Mate, Matt Phillip will come on so hard. He'll smash blokes. And that's and we need tough off the bench. We don't have tough off the bench. Tell you what, I, lo- I love that point about the hunger. And that, that's something that this that with the whole Pacific draw being confirmed today, that's what that's the the theme I want to see come out of next year is you, you Matt Phillips, your Darcy Swains, Mick Wright and Wright, Harry Wilson, um even Zaya Parisi, the three Waratahs fly halves. There is so much talent that are coming through the system, which in, in what, what I hope will happen is having brought these guys back in or having these guys go back home and focus on their development. Lucky Lonnie get another one. Is that they just, I, my fear was always when you, when you bring these 20 to 22 year olds in there and you cement them as wallabies, they start to think that they're fully developed and they're fully that they're that complete player. And well, I don't, why do I need to be, improve? I'm already a wallaby. I'm already good enough to be a Wallaby. To now have them just having to scratch and claw at it and having that real fire lit under them for this preseason, I really want to see that come out in in Pacific. And that's that's when I'm excited to see how that how that hunger of bringing those players back does it, and and really sh- is showcased throughout those Australian teams. There's a really great interview with um, Dan Carter, and I can't remember where which one it was, but he talks about being a young guy at the Crusaders and with, you know, involved in the All Blacks behind Mertens. And he said, my goal is to take Mertens' spot. 
in 12 months, I'm going to take Merton's spot. And you'd love to see someone like McWright go, you know what? Fuck you, Hooper. I'm going to be better than you. Like, we shouldn't have people sit there, you know, we didn't take another seven with us on tour because Hooper's got that spot. Like, that should piss off every seven. Like, if you're if you're a seven in, in Australia right now, you should be hating the fact that Michael Hooper's coming back to um, to the Waratahs. You should be going, I want that spot. You know, if you're a tight head going, hey, look at how desperate they got. They had to reach down to um, Ollie Hoskins at the London Irish. Fuck yeah, I want that spot. I'm going to be in that that squad. And that's what you want. And I think that we lost a lot of that hunger because, you know, not to bash on Checker, but there were a lot of guys that Checker had his favourites. And no matter what a bloke did, he never got into, he couldn't break that squad because Checker had his favourites. And I think that, that a little bit of that mentality is carried through. But I think we need to be creating that hunger in guys to not just sit there and go, oh, well, I'm not going to get picked again. I might as well go overseas. You go, no, nah, I want that spot. I want that spot. That jersey's mine. I'm going to make it mine. I'm going to play in the World Cup. I'm not here to take part. I'm here to take over. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to look to look at it. I think it's a you really I really hope that that whatever the result that that it definitely does create a bit more hunger there. Um, and it, one thing that has it has shown um, a lot of the last year or two is that there is a lot of there actually is a lot more depth than than you know we've given Australian rugby credit for. And I really hope that it's such a pain in the ass that, uh, that like, McWright hasn't come on tour. It's su- it's such a pain in the ass. And I think it really sucks that, you know, that basically there was a lot of banking on, well, Hooper's not going to get injured. Um, the bloke has been playing pretty much nearly every single minute of rugby this year. Uh, <laughs> there was, was going to be a point in time where he would find that, where, you know, he would get injured at some point. Um I'm excited. For me, the 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 pick I'm particularly interested in is I I really think that as much as I uh you know obviously you want a steady hand a steady head for for you know for for fly half. James O'Connor has not impressed me in the last two weeks. He has Amen. not, and he is as much as you know you want a a smart head. I would definitely back Lalesio over James O'Connor. Um, and I think it would work. And I think in terms of of the, of going into the game on this weekend. Um, I think Lalesio, you know, the last time we he went off was off the back of a three-match series against the All Blacks, which is a terrible uh, – is a tough run uh, for any fly half in the world, probably the toughest run that you can have. Um, and give him a game against the Welsh. Give him a game against the Welsh and have O'Connor come off the bench. I think it's – you know, he's – He's showing he's a bloke that is so much potential. He's he's a he's potential to be like a really great wallaby fly half. Give him the chance to to show to show what he can do because uh, against that in that series in that that series against the French, he definitely did. Um, give him a chance to play. Um, let's move on to question four though. Uh, and touching on the point that uh, that Nathan made, there has been a lot of other news um, outside of the of the Wallabies games over the week. The last week, and we'll talk about stuff that has drawn our attention. And I think the first one, and I feel like Nathan, I'll throw it to you first for this one, is the the draw for Super Rugby Pacific was announced. Um, can you give us some uh, give us some th- uh, your thoughts on that? Yes, yeah, so draw got announced. It's a quite exciting one, especially for for our, our Melbourne Melbourne based <laughs> call in this call. The Super can't round imagine why. Round two that it, out of this draw is. The headline being Super Super Round Melbourne. Sorry to get that right. With all games set to be played at Amy Park. 
So that that's an exciting um, addition, I think, to the to this year's fixtures. I think also the fact that they've gone with more family friendly times works a lot better. Um, better better continuity around like theme rounds. So there's a, I mean, a, a women in rugby round in round three, a culture round in round six, heritage round round twelve. Like just really having those things locked down, so it's you can actually get some proper. And hopefully interesting stuff together. I know in the media release, what, what was hinted at was the potential to, to rock retro jerseys for some of the teams, which I thought would be great. But, yeah, it's a it's an exciting draw. And just it's all of a sudden starts to, starts to become a bit more real now. And when you look at that, that first game being Moana Pacifica versus Brumbies, we talk about how we want to see Noel Lesio get a shot. I mean, his first game, the first game in Pacific, he's going to come up against... A Brumbies legend, probably in Christian Lee Leofano. So that's that's going to be exciting. Like there's there's so much to like out of this draw, which is and it's shaping up to be a really good Super Rugby Pacific season next year. Yeah, it really is. It's really looking like it. Particularly, you know, I've been keeping a close watch on on some of the names that have been you know picked for the Drua and the uh, and Moana Pacifica and. You know, those squads are really shaping up and looking like really fantastic teams. And you really want them to bring that fun flair that you know those teams have the capability to to provide. And um, I think this is going to be such an exciting, uh, such an exciting bunch of fixtures. Um, there is a lot of local derbies in there as well, uh, which will be good. So you'll be able to have your a lot of Reds, Waratahs fixtures. Um, there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, kind of like local games as well. Um, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously, we've got you. You, I'm assuming that come round two, you'll basically just buy a tent and live at Amy Park for for a good 48, 72 hours. Pretty um, much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my so mate jealous. Said that in our um, in our group chat, I thought it was a typo. I thought, you what? What you ate? Like they've just spelt the stadiums wrong, and then realised no, it's actually the Super Round, and it's all eight games or six. Yeah. Six games are going to be played at, um, at at Amy Park, and I just thought, wow, this is going to be a big weekend. Um, I'm I'm really hoping that you know more than just me and my three friends turn up, um, because this is a re- this is a really big statement that needs to get made for rugby in Victoria. It's great the state government's backing this, um, but and I, look, hopefully it will get a big turnout. You notice we get most of the um, uh, most of the times we get big crowds in Melbourne uh, when the Kiwi teams are in town. So hopefully they'll get in on it. Um, hopefully there's some good all-weekend packages that you can buy a ticket to all the games. Um, might even have to try and convince uh, work to uh, to buy a corporate box, I think. So it gives me a place to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I reckon it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be so good. There'll be kind of like that kind of a festival feel to it. Um, well, I'm hoping it's going to have really... a bit of a, a sevens vibe to it. You know, the a bit like the sevens tournaments um, mm. that we can sort of really make make an event out of it. Have a have a big day or big weekend. Go and just really really get it out to the community and help grow rugby here. Um, it's just yeah, it has been a little bit woeful at times when you go to the go to Amy Park and. You know, we're getting 10,000 people, and you go, really, we should be getting more. 10 years yeah. in, we should be getting more. So, mm. but fingers crossed. Yeah. It's, look, it's 
definitely get, it just feels nice to just see Super Rugby in just a simple like just feels old school in the format at the very least like just a simple the, the actual no no more five mats five conferences seven different tables required no like different particular requirements and and bonus things like that it's just a simple old fashioned round robin um, a couple of extra derby matches uh you know it thrown in there as well um and then an 18 format just let's do it i'm i'm so keen it's i'm particularly excited to watch the likes of the drawer and uh and minor pacifica play as well Another thing I do want to bring up, which is has just been announced, is the World Rugby Player of the Year nominees have come out. My God, it's an interesting list. That's I, probably the f- first time forever. We have two Wallabies nominated out of the four nominees. It is Michael Hooper, Samu Karevi, Mara Tojo, and I forgot the name's going to be Anton Dupont. That's, that's the fourth name that I've forgotten. You're probably prob- a winner, but it's a it's a fascinating list. I mean, looking at that short list, and it is it's a yes, it's a fan vote, so probably doesn't help the Australian cause. But uh, uh, interestingly enough, there is a little line in the press release that says that there is still a panel that's going to be that's still going to give this a the OK, which makes me think that regardless, they're still going to make it to who they think's the best player. But it's interesting. Interesting. No South Africans or Kiwis are on that short list. Your number one and number two ranked side don't get a run in, which is fascinating. I mean, I mean, just I mean, for Dylan, who do you, out of those four, who do you reckon would win? I um, I think if it's a popular vote, I think Dupont's going to win. Everyone is just in awe of him, um, and and rightly so. He is a phenomenal um, footballer. It's interesting that he got the pick though, having not come down to play. Yeah, you know, he didn't didn't play in the uh, the June series. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. I'm not surprised to see Maro Otoje there. He's he's world class, and he is oh. you know f- fifty caps for England, and he's still only young. He is a uh, he, he he's a force to be reckoned with. Um, I, I I was actually you know when when you said two Wallabies, uh, I didn't think it was going to be Karevi. I actually thought it might be Tupo or Marika. Um, but which, which really was quite interesting because Karevi, having been playing in Japan, which um, he's done really good at, he's done done, done well, sorry, um, and he's he had his sevens campaign, but didn't play a lot in sevens, and the, the Australia didn't do well in the Olympics anyway. So it's really interesting having only played a couple of tests for the Wallabies that he's now getting that look in. That's a that's quite an interesting. An interesting one. I do think, though, uh, when you look at those players, they are standout players for their teams. And when you compare them to South Africa um, or New Zealand, they don't really have a standout. That I mean, they do. It's 15 of them. Uh, that, is, so that, that is very true, yeah. That makes it a lot harder to pick because, you know, I think – I personally think Aaron Smith's the best halfback in the world. But – God damn, TJ Piranara is a, a menace uh, on the field. Um, you know, there's that constant debate between Bowden Barrett and Rich, uh, Richie Mawanga. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, the competition in the second row that, um, you know, Cody Taylor's an amazing hooker. 
Then you go across to if you look at the South African team, their their bench front row would be starting for most um, most nations in um, Kitsoff, Cock, and um, Malcolm Marks. Like that, they would be starting in any other country, and they're on the bench for their um, for South Africa. So that just shows. Oh, it's good. nuts depth, but I mean, no Khaleesi, no no arm, really. Like they 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 beat the line. Sure, they got beat by us, but they beat the lines. It was so good. Like that's the fact they didn't get nominated was surprising. Uh, and whilst we're talking about nominees, I mean, special shout out to uh, Andrew Callaway as well, nominated break breakthrough player of the year, which I think is well deserved, alongside Will Jordan, Lewis Reese, Zaman, and Marcus Smith, as well as Dave Rennie for coach of the year, alongside Ian Foster, um, Simon Middleton, the England women's coach, who's he's done a great job there. And Alan Bunting and Corey Sweeney, who got the New Zealand women's side to a gold medal. So there's plenty of Aussies being recognised by World Rugby, and it's, it's looking like some really good, some really good battles for those awards. It's going to be interesting to see how they end up. It is interesting to to see um, to see us getting nominated. And I think also the fact that you know, I think you, 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 do we realistically think that 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 we're a chance of winning that Player of the Year, even though we have two blokes in the mix. Do we I think, think, like, I mean, Hooper's, this, this, Hooper's it's time go. for Hooper. It's a, this is the time yeah. for Hooper. I, like, I get DuPont. Everyone, everyone loves DuPont. And yes, he's a great player. Uh, I didn't, didn't mean to sound so sarcastic there. Jesus. But um, <laughs> I, I think this is, the, like, this is the time for Michael Hooper to win. He's been so integral to this Wallaby side. He has played out of his skin in 2021. He's somehow found another level. The, and, like, no Australian has won this award before. And I think mm, if, yeah. if there's any any player at any time for someone to win it, it's Hooper right now. Mm. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, well, he's definitely been he's definitely earned it in terms of just pure game time and the stuff that he has done for the for the for the team. Um, yeah, it's it's, like, it's look, it goes to show the quality of the players running around. Um, how close this uh, how close this list is. Like, I mean, Dupont will be nominated for the next ten years. Like, he's he's such a good player. Yeah. So will Tejo, but I get you. You could you could pick probably four or five other players that could go on it, as as you said. But it's also exciting to see a couple of the in that sevens player of the year as well. There's a couple of Fijian boys who who will be playing for the Drua got nominated as well. So that's that's yeah. always exciting, and that's probably yeah. a, a great indication of the talent that's going to be locked in their side as well. So. Yeah. Exciting times. It is exciting times. Before we before we jump into our into our preview for the weekend, I think there's one last thing that we should probably talk about, um, which is results from the weekend. Um, because we had looking back at some of the games, um, Argentina got the job done over Italy um, with with a 37-16 win. Uh, South Africa um, uh, prevailed over Scotland, 30 to 15. Um, and but I think the match that that has really turned everyone's heads is uh, Ireland beating the All Blacks, um, which now sees Ireland win their three of their last five matches against uh, against the All Blacks. Um, what do we think about this game, guys? Are we are we seeing what what are our thoughts on uh, on on this result? Because I know it's been the talk of the town um, ever since the end uh, ever since the end result. Dylan, uh, did you get the chance to catch this game? I did. Yeah. Um... God, the energy was great. Uh, it was just, it, that was a high tempo game. That was, um, and I can't remember who said it, but um, at, at halftime there was like, "How are England 
how are Ireland not winning this game? They were going so hard at it. And it was great to just see to see it, to to just feel that energy. I was talking to one of my Irish mates and you know, he was so chuffed with um chuffed with the result. And you should be. It was a it was a hell of a game. Um Yeah. God, I'm still I'm excited thinking about it. <laughs> it was it was pure domination. Like you look at seventy percent territory, made the carries make close to two hundred and fifty tackles. It, it wasn't it wasn't one of those performances where you know there was a flash in the pen and they 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 somehow con- conjured three late tries. Like it's a stat I love going to. It was the twenty two entries. It was sixteen to four, Ireland. Mm. Sixteen times they put it in the Kiwis and just let them in four times. That's that's astonishing. It, it, I think that properly reflects how good Ireland were. Like when you talk of individual team performances of singular games, Australia and South Africa was up there. I think this, it sounds wrong to say, but I think this might have topped it in terms of like a single 80-minute performance. I don't think you'll see many better than what the Irish put up against New Zealand. I agree. I agree. I think that was the match of the year. Well, I mean, we've got we've still got another weekend of games to go and very exciting games to add, mind you. But that has got to be a contender. Um and it's it says a lot when you I mean obviously you ha- you'll always have post post game you know you'll have the New Zealand fans and press and stuff saying that the All Blacks have got have got work to do, but um, in terms of, of turning things around, but there is really something about this Irish team. They just they do not. It's been a hundred. It was I can't remember how many years it was when they first won that match in Chicago, but it would be it'd been like a hundred and ten years and they'd never won a single game. Now they just do not. You get the sense they just do not fear them. They do the, the Irish do not fear the All Blacks anymore, um, and it's you know it's such a fascinating uh, rival when, rivalry whenever these two teams play each other now, and it's fantastic to see. Um, it we, really we did is. call it last week. I said I think uh, Ireland's going to get the uh, get the win. You laughed at me, Nick. <laughs> I did laugh at you. So did I. I did laugh to be at you. Fair. Yeah, I did. It's. What do I know about rugby? Clearly, clearly not enough. How, how many podcasts have I done? Have I done for Gaga? I still don't know Jack. Um, <laughs> let's, also, it was very uh, exciting to watch a uh, the Irish water boy try and square up against uh, Sam Whitelock. Look good on him for that. <laughs> he did give it. Even the water boys were going hard. But that's, I do uh, think like that. That's I'm so glad he stood up to him because that's a typical New Zealand thing that a New Zealand captain. And Kieran Reid did it all the time, would bully the ref, would do that sort of stuff. And I'm so glad that they stepped up and went, no, no, it's a HIA. He's allowed to do this because, you know, it was, it was Angus Gardner, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Actually, let me have a look. Yeah, well, I think I'm pretty yeah. sure it was Angus Gardner because, again, he made the game all about himself. But it was just, you know, he was no, trying was to the, argue. It was the, no, it was Luke Pierce. Was it Luke Pierce? It was Luke Pierce. Oh, no, sorry. Luke Angus Pierce? Gardner did the, Scot- um, the Scotland game. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Um and just, yeah, trying to explain to the referee that, no, no, it's a HIA. He's allowed to, no, no, it's a sub. No, it's a HIA. And then Sam Whitelock did, had no business walking in there. And the, the, the water boy just stepped up to him like, good on you. Good on you. <laughs> you you're, like, you're lucky not to get killed, but good on you. Uh, there, there was enough <laughs> Irish players to back him up. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was... God, it, it, it. I feel like when you have the when it, when you have the the medic even even stepping up to you, it, it definitely shows how much how much energy was with the Irish that day. And uh, good autumn. It was a fantastic game and uh, one that we'll definitely be watching for for many years to come. 
But let's move on to the final part of the pod. Let's talk about our predictions for this weekend. Um, there's a lot of really, really exciting games. And before we, uh, of course, talk about uh, the Wallabies playing the Scarlets, let's preview some other matches coming up. First up, um, Scotland will finish off uh, their campaign for the year taking on the Japanese who uh, last week uh, pulled off a pretty unconvincing win over Portugal, 25-38, the the Brave Blossoms won. Um, Boys, what are are, are our predictions for this? I mean, it looks like something's a bit... I don't know if it's like a weaker Japanese side that's currently touring Europe or... Or not, but uh, do we? What are, what are our thoughts on uh, on this game going to Scotland? Scotland, yeah, Scot- Scotland look good. They, I think Japan are. You don't want to say they're, they're stuck in neutral, but they just they just don't seem to be finding that that gear that or that type of performance that was getting them them wins over over these type of nations a couple of years ago. It's it's, it's surprising, but. Yeah, now Scot- Scotland have found that next level, and if they if they play a f- pending them playing a full strength squad, or, or even just Finn Finn Russell and Hogg, the main two I want to see play, they they should be too good. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Reckon Scotland will take that. Um, moving on, the next big game, and I think this is a match that as much as we have said that the Ireland All Blacks game. Um, Will was will might be the game of the year. This one might might be a challenger for it. England will be hosting the world champions South Africa at Twickenham. Um, boys, this is going to be a, this is a tough one to pick. Natho, I'm going to throw the hospital pass to you. Uh, what's who are your predictions it's for this a, game? That's a tough game. You know, you know what the remarkable thing is? It might even be the best best game on the day. With that, that New Zealand France game coming up. It's um, yeah, true. Like oh god, that's a coin top. Coin toss, um, or England at home? They're too good. They they, they find they find that level. I, I reckon they get it done. I don't know. I reckon South Africa look like they're starting to play a little bit better, and I definitely think they def- improved a lot uh, with the game against Scotland. Uh, it's an interesting one. Dylan, agree or disagree? Uh, I think if England can get their full strength squad back, you know, getting Genge um, and even maybe Marla, um I think that will make a big difference to them. Um, England. Oh, this this could actually legitimately be a draw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just a kickathon. <laughs> well, but but both teams are matched up pretty evenly, and I think like England are going to want to come out with a point to prove having lost the World Cup to them. Um, but damn, South Africa look good. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna England because it's at Twickenham and they have that home field advantage with the you know eighty thousand fans convincing the TMO to review everything. So, <laughs> I think uh, I'm gonna go England, but a very narrow margin. Interesting, very interesting. I think this game will be won and lost, similar to the World Cup final in the scrum. So it really depends on which scrum kind of holds up the most. I think and. For me, as much as I do agree that uh, that England uh, will have the home advantage, just for just for for our, for you know keeping keeping our bets interesting, I'm gonna I'm gonna buck the trend and say South Africa, just because I think uh, as much as they England have the home advantage, I think South Africa maybe have a slight push on them in the uh, you know a slight edge on them in the scrum, which will be a close game. But you know, I reckon that'll be a really close one. 
Speaking of games, which we, we you just mentioned it earlier before, but we have France up against the All Blacks. France, uh, you know, currently coming off wins against uh, Argentina, and then they also put away Georgia last week, forty-one fifteen, um, which I expected a biggest a bigger winning margin against against the likes of Georgia, but still, uh, you know, another win. Um, this is going to be a really interesting match. Um, I think it's. You know, in the past, and you know, in the days of old, many viewed you know France as New Zealand's bogey team, but I think that's kind of definitely been. I think the French are definitely due for a win over the All Blacks, um, and they have shown a lot of growth this year. Dylan, I'm going to throw this one to you first. Will the Frogs get up at Stade de France? This is going to be either a very narrow win for France or a bloodbath. And the Kiwis are going to put 60 points on them. <laughs> and I don't know I which French team's going to turn up. I think that, um, that this could be, the, the, you know, be, beware the wounded All Black because they'll come out swinging. And I think the French need to make sure they don't get sucked into playing the way New Zealand want them to play. If they play their game and frustrate New Zealand, because that's what England, um, that's what Ireland did. Ireland frustrated the All Blacks. And if you can frustrate and suffocate the All Blacks, they'll make mistakes. You know, they're, they're only human. But I'm just not sure if they, they will do that. And so it's a very it's a very tough one. Because um, as I said, I think it'll either be a narrow win to, um, to France or, or the All Blacks are going to come out and put 50 points on them. Yeah, that's basically been the story of a lot of the games. Uh, the last time the French actually beat um, the All Blacks was in Dunedin in 2009. That's the last time they pulled off a win against them, which is and and since then it's it's either been absolute shellackings or like a, a three or four point difference between them. Dil, um, Nathan, what do you reckon? All Blacks by 20. I'm 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 put put them put it out there. I think this is a, a perfect as I think Dylan alluded to. I think this is, this is the perfect storm. This is. That an All Black side, which is coming off a defeat against Ireland, that they're going to be hungry. I think the French, I mean, coming off a, a yeah, a, a, they got the job done against Georgia, and when you look at the scoreline, pretty convincingly. I, I, ju- I just think this is this is what I, what I like to call statement games for New Zealand. It's when people think they're on the ropes or. Is this? Do they need to make changes? Is there something wrong with the style? They just go, all right, come on, bring all the negative press, bring all the the people at home writing us out saying that there's problems we got to fix. Okay, you, you want to say all that stuff? Watch this, and they, they just put they'll 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 put forty on them. It'll, it'll be a forty to fourteen type performance, and you go, whoa, okay, no, the the All Blacks are still the All Blacks. Yeah, it's. Look, I mean, it it goes to show how difficult it is for, for, you know, how often it, it's the case that whenever the All Blacks lose, they don't lose for a second week running. Um, but I really hope this French side shows up because one, because they're due. They and on two, because they've just sh- shown so much growth over the last few years. And you know, I think this would really be. A, uh, I think they have potential to be a top four side in the world. Um, considering the depth and and the, the 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 ability that they have, and how better to prove that than catching the All Blacks off guard uh, with a win here, and ending you know a, a ten plus match losing streak to them. Um, 
match before the whale before the Welsh and the and the Wallabies. Um, Ireland playing Argentina. Ireland, of course, coming off the win against the uh, the All Blacks. Argentina coming off a win against Italy. Uh, I'm only seeing this one going one way traffic. Ireland, if Ireland are playing fantastic rugby at the moment. Any of you guys disagree? No, nope. I think uh, just just send Argentina home. Give them a break. Give them a holiday. Yeah, it's just Ireland are too good at this stage. They're, they're they're playing incredible. Yeah, I agree. No, no, no disrespect to the no disrespect to Los Pumas. God, they need some home games. They are due. Hopefully, hopefully, all the next season they can just play in Argentina, just to make up for all the all the all the travelling they've had to do. I agree, all all to Ireland for that one. And then, last but certainly not least, Wales versus the Wallabies in Cardiff. Um, let's talk this one, uh, Dylan. I'm going to throw to you first. Where will the game be won and lost, and and who will be winning? I'm a. Uh, I'm. Just not confident the Wallabies have it in them to win. I think that uh, it'll be a mindset game. I think we'll stay in the game if we follow that mentality of when we get a penalty, we kick for points because points will keep us in the game. Um, I think our confidence got really shattered the last two um, two weeks and we've just... So I think confidence and I think penalties. If we... If we don't get a yellow card, I'll be really surprised. Um, so, yes, I, I, I'll say um, composure. It's it, it's the Wallabies' game to lose, but I'm just confident they'll find a way to do it. Nathan, agree or disagree? I don't disagree. I reckon this is the this is the performance that gets them back on track. I, I, I mean, we weren't that far off against Scotland, and an England side where. Very good, and we were missing a bunch of players. I, I, I think it, it'll, look, now I think of it, if if Michael Hooper's out, that's such a big loss. That's such a big unknown of how does how does this team play without their inspirational captain and the glue, the engine, the brain, the the heart, probably out six other organs. It's <laughs> Just they, they, we we play we've been so reliant on them and it's I still I still saying we get it done with, with or without Hooper I'm I'm saying they find a way to lift for the final game that that's my bar prediction I'll put it out there there <sighs> yeah <laughs> just, it's so unknown that's the I, thing I agree look okay. I know I'm gonna lay myself out on the line here I'm actually with Nathan. I don't know what it is. And look, Dylan, I fully am aware of 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 like the whole history and the feel of just, you know, finishing these these tours off really badly, and the fact that I know where this squad is. I know where that that they've had to deal with a lot of problems. I know their confidence will be shot. I know that they're feeling, you know, down in the dumps, and I know that there's they are far from where they want to be. But and I but I don't know what it is, but Maybe it's just blind optimism, and you can quote me on it next week. Um, but there's just an itch. There's just a feeling that they got it in them to win this. They got it in them to win this, and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna embrace the Jacko Rourke and back the Wallabies to, uh, this week. I don't know why. 
and no, and, and and I know that this is a strong Welsh team, and you're playing to a sold out, you know, Principality Stadium. I just got a feeling. I just have a feeling. No, it, it, it's it's great. Like, I think we're capable of doing it. I'm just concerned that our composure. That like it's it's that last fifteen minutes when you start to see the crack the crack show. What are we made of? And I mm. don't think we're refined enough to hold it. But that being said, those cracks showed for Wales against South Africa and South Africa just kept pushing. So mm. again, it'll go both ways. So when the cracks show for Wales, what does Australia do? Do we put our boot on the throat or do we go, oh shit, let's start, let's start flinging the ball around in our, <laughs> uh, in our 22. Mm. Or do we go, hey, let's knuckle down, let's play tight, let's earn the right to go wide, let's unleash a guy like Paisami or Callaway um, and then bring it back in tight. Let's muscle it up and go out. You know, I think that we, if we if we rely on the inexperience of guys like you know Paisami and Ikitao um, and and Wright, I just think we're gonna get we're gonna get beaten out out wide if we don't have the physicality in the pack with guys like you know Skelton being a passenger. We're not gonna beat the, their forwards, and I think that's gonna be a bit of a mindset for us. So. Mm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really hope we get the win because it'd be really nice to finish the season in um, in the red. But, gee, I'm just. <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah. Look. Yeah, I was looking at the numbers beforehand, and the last time, obviously, bar, obviously, uh, with not taking into consideration a World Cup year, the last time we actually finished the season with a positive record was 2017. So nearly four, five, like three or four years ago. And you um, think 2018 was one of the worst Wallaby years ever? Yeah. And yeah. Like, and, that was, and, and I was at that game in, watching them play in, against Wales in a, a principality. And that might be one of the worst games of rugby I've ever seen. Yeah. It, and it was so bad. <laughs> just like, we're, I don't want to say it's like a Jew thing because that just sounds like a self-righteous Wallaby fan. But just there's just a feeling. There is just a, I'm just, I don't know, I can't explain exactly what it is. Being fully aware of of the of the of the challenges that the squad has, and being fully aware that the the, the right cattle aren't there. It's just, there's just a feeling that this squad has got something in them that they've shown since back back since the the series against France that they can they can pull together a performance out of nowhere. And I just really hope they do because they're due. Um, especially off the back of these two games against uh, Scotland and England. Um, and I think that um, unlike, you know, the likes of playing against, you know, England where, you know, I think that there's definitely an, a mental uh, advantage that they have over us um, and definitely a feeling with Scotland with them being a bogey team. While we have lost two games on the trot against Wales, I don't think, uh, I, I think that of all the hurdles, this is the one that they have the most chance to overcome. Anyway, let's stop faffing around and uh, let's wrap this podcast up. Cheers, lads. Uh, thank you so much once again for, for coming on. It's always a pleasure chatting to you, boys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Likewise. Let's hope for a win. Fingers crossed. And to all of our listeners, uh, cheers for tuning in every single week. Uh, we'll be back last uh, next week for one last episode. Hopefully we can get Hoss on. We're trying to... We're trying to reach out. We're trying to make inquiries. Here's a hard man to find. Um, but fingers crossed we'll be, get, we'll be able to get him on the pod next week. But to all of our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in once again, and we'll catch you the next time around. Well, what did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply.
Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo. Very good, very good.